Hey, is rapture even real? I don't know, but we're going to talk about it. Maybe you're a pre-tribulation rapture person, mid-tribulation or post-tribulation. Who's right? Am I right? Am I, or are you right? Is anybody right? I think the only one that knows the correct answer is Jesus. But Paul talks about it a little bit in 1 Thessalonians 4 and a little bit of 5. We're going to read that today to try to decipher and figure out if we can learn when Jesus may return and what happens when he does. While you're here, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so uh, you don't miss any of my videos. I appreciate it. Also, make sure you check out livingchristian.org, which is our website, Bible verse list, podcasting. We've got a whole apparel store there. We've got all sorts of resources to help you stay Christian seven days a week. Check it out at livingchristian.org. All right, let's get to the episode today and talk about 1 Thessalonians 4. Welcome to the uh, latest uh, episode of the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking podcast. We are recording it live here on Instagram as we normally do on Mondays and Fridays. Today we are going to be reading 1 Thessalonians 4, talking a little bit about living to please God, and then also what happens when we die, and what happens when Jesus comes back. Now, you know, is there a rapture before he, the second coming? We're going to talk a little bit about that. It's not a full rapture episode, but it's got a little bit at the end we're going to talk about as we read the end of 1 Thessalonians 4 and a little bit of 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, so uh, if you have your Bible handy, read it along with me. If not, you can listen to me. And uh, if you miss any of these episodes, as I say every time, make sure uh, you check them out on YouTube to watch them or on uh, podcasting everywhere. Uh, or you can just uh, join us on Instagram, and they're all saved on there as well. So thanks for joining me today. Uh, let's uh, let's tackle 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm going to read it. We're going to talk about it, and uh, then we'll answer some questions at the end, okay? All right, let's get going here on 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, the title of this in my Bible is Live to Please God. Finally, this is from Paul, the Apostle Paul, just to set this up a little bit. This is the Apostle Paul. This is one of his letters that he wrote uh, to uh, all the churches of Ephesus and Philippi, and now we're in to Thessalonians. Uh, so this is from Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he's writing this letter. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God, and we have, as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control, control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion, like the pagans who do not know God and his way. So what, what Paul is doing here, right, is setting up, as we're going to talk about a little bit at the end of Jesus' return or what happens when we die, he's kind of setting us up as like, hey, this is how you're supposed to live here, people. You got to remember, as followers of Christ, this is how you should be living. And prefer, don't focus too much on what happens when you die. Focus right now on how you're living. So he starts off with controlling your own body, staying away from sexual sin, which is a whole plethora of things. It's kind of an all-encompassing uh, term of sexual sin, of everything, pretty much everything, outside of the covenant of uh, marriage, quite frankly. So it talks about many places in the Bible that sex is a part of a married couple. A man leaves his family, joins his wife, and they become one, and all that stuff, which we know about. So anything outside of that, uh, whether it is premarital sex or cheating on your spouse or homosexuality, for that matter, everything 
is kind of classified as sexual sin. So he's talking about staying away from those things, not living in lustful passion like the pagans do. All right, verse 6. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins, as we have solemnly warned you before. So he's kind of calling out one in particular kind of sexual sin, which is cheating and violating your wife, and the Lord despises that, and he will avenge such sin, which is interesting. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So that's a pretty good sized chunk passage about sexual sin, living in purity and holy, and living and, uh, you know, kind of abiding by your vows with your wife. Uh, so verse 9, But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Now we're shifting what he's kind of guiding us to with how to live to please God. You know, avoid the sexual sin. Now he's going to talk about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Verse 10, Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers through Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. He's talking about loving your neighbor and, and loving people that are not part of your group, right? They're talking about throughout Macedonia. So you're they're specifically in this letter, he's talking to these people like, hey, you should love everybody, you know, love each other, right? So he talks about sexual sin initially and kind of condemns some things, and then he follows right, right back up, but... You got to love everybody, right? You got to love everybody, and you need to love everybody. Uh, We urge you to love them even more. Verse 11, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. All right, that's about the first half of four here. Uh, So what have we learned so far? Paul wants us to live pure, holy lives, right? Get out of the impurities, out of the sexual sin, live for God, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. And he follows that up with, and love each other, right? You've got to love each other and treat each other with respect. And and if you do that, then they will see God through you, if that makes sense. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business, just as we instructed, then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. Let's talk about that just for a second. I'm going to have a sip of coffee, okay? So what are we talking about here? Respecting the way you live. So what Paul wants us to do is live. I'm pausing a little bit. I slowed down a little bit, okay? Don't cheat on your spouse. Love your neighbor, Right? Don't live in a lustful passion. Love your neighbor. Love each other. That's what he wants us to do. And if we go about that and live a quiet life and keep to ourselves, so to speak, working with our hands, if we just kind of do those things and go through our life, is what Paul's talking about, then non-believers will see this. They will see how we live. Okay? Now, on one hand, He's not judging people at the beginning. What he's saying is he's instructing us to live the way God wants us to live. Okay, so he's not calling people out as much as he is instructing us a proper way to live. Now, how does he say to res- respond to everyone else? We love each other. So don't take my the first half of this as, oh, other people 
are living sinful, lustful, wrong, impure lives. I think we all do in some form or fashion. There's certainly degrees of that. Paul's not trying to get us to judge those people. What he's doing is saying, hey, this is the way God wants you to live, and if you're outside of that, then he's not going to be happy. But for you, for us, for the believers, what's our instruction? To love everybody. Let, let God deal with that part of it, right? So if you have friends that are living impure lives, se- sexual sin, whatever that means, all that huge bubble of things that fall underneath that, get, let them worry about, let, tell them that it's wrong, so to speak, but don't judge them. Let God deal with that. What our job is to do is to love one another. And if we do that, then people will see the way we live and respect the way we live. So we're supposed to be living by example, not necessarily condemning other people, but by showing other people how the right way to live is, and that is through love. Okay, now let's uh, hit uh, 13, the hope for the resurrection. This is where it gets kind of spicy and fun here. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. So he's going to talk to us about what happens when our loved ones die. If you're going through some challenges in life, maybe you lost somebody that you're close to, this is a great part of the Bible to read, because he wants us to understand what happens so we don't grieve like people who don't have hope. We understand that they're with Christ. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised uh, in life again, we must also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So what he's saying is, Because we know that Jesus died and was resurrected, and we believe that Jesus is coming back one day, right? Talked about throughout the Bible, especially in some of these letters, especially in the book of Revelation. We know that one day Jesus will return, okay? So with that, if somebody you love has died, we believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Two things that you have to read in that sentence alone. One is, Jesus is God, period. Because think about what he just said. Let's read that sentence one more time for those who are confused about the Trinity. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we must also believe that when Jesus returns... God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So he is calling Jesus God right there. And what happens when Jesus returns is that everybody who, all the other believers that have died, all the people that we loved before, will be returning with him. Verse 15, we tell you this directly from the Lord, who we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died, Okay. So that's what he's saying right there is like one day Jesus will return and everybody that's still here on this earth will meet him. But first, all of our loved ones and everybody who have died before meet him first. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet with the trumpet call of God. Interesting. So what happens when Jesus comes back? This is where we get into the rapture talk. Right? Is there is this the second coming of Christ, or is this a a, a a time where Jesus comes and raptures his church up? Let's talk about that a little bit by what Paul talks about, okay? So what he says is the Lord will come himself, okay, from heaven. So Jesus will come from heaven with a commanding shout. So the trumpet will will roar and Jesus will come. And then what happens? 
First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. So we know that. We already talked about that. Now, those who have died will already be with him in the, you know, we're, we're in the air, which we'll learn here in a minute. Spoiler alert. Then together with them, we are, we who are still alive, if we're here on earth when Jesus returns, this is what happens. We who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other's with these words, and we're going to read a little bit of five in a second, but let's talk about that kind of circumstance there and that kind of uh, the, how that plays out. So we know that the, the trumpet's going to blare. We know Jesus is going to be in the clouds because that's what he, that's where we meet him. So Jesus is in the clouds with everybody who has died previously, and then we get called up. That's what they're talking about with the rapture. If you've heard that word before, I'm sure you have. Okay. That is what he is talking about. So Paul is discussing the rapture. Now, the question is, here's the question. Here's the million-dollar question. Is that before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, as it changes from tribulation to the great tribulation, if you don't know what that story is, read the book of Revelation, or at the end, when Jesus fully returns for the battle of Armageddon? That is the question. Right. It's not a question on whether we get called up into the clouds. That happens, right? We just read it. It's a matter of when that happens. So many people believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, which means that we're going to be called up into the clouds if this circumstance that we just talked about happens before all the bad stuff happens. <laughs> all right? Before the Antichrist is revealed, before the wrath comes, before all the bowls are poured out. And if you haven't read Revelation, I encourage you to go do so. So the question is, a lot of people believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. Some people believe in the mid-tribulation rapture in the sense of we'll experience all the birth pains and all a lot of garbage and bad stuff. And then before the great tribulation happens, where the bad, the really bad stuff happens, that's when we're called out. Or are we just called up at the exact same time Jesus comes back? Right? No, no, nobody knows, no man knows the hour or the day that the Lord will return. So a couple things to help decipher this. I'm not saying that I'm encouraging you to believe one way or another. What I'm saying is, I don't know. I think I know. I think I know what I believe. I'm hoping it is a pre-tribulation rapture for a couple of reasons. Now, I'm hoping I, I'm hoping so we don't have to deal with the bad stuff, even though it's pretty bad right now. I would say this. Uh, I believe, I think I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture because of these verses I'm about to read in a minute. And because if you know the Bible, there's all these stories are connected. It's a wheel within a wheel within a wheel. They're all connected. A lot of the stories, the creation story, the, the Noah story, all these stories are kind of precursors and retellings and prophecy stories of Jesus returning. And if you, even if you look at just the, the story of Noah, right, God provided a way for Noah and the animals and his family to escape the flood, to escape all the persecution. So I'm hoping that in that way, God will help us escape on what's to come, if that makes sense. All right, let's let's uh, let's scroll down to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. Just read this for some context that kind of justifies that thought. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. 
So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So that's kind of First uh, Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11. So at that point, Paul literally says that God chose us so we can be saved through Jesus, not to pour out his anger on us. So Paul seems to believe, or at least allude to, that there's a pre-tribulation rapture there. Uh, that way we are escaping the anger of God, if that makes sense. So there's hope in that. Now saying that, should you be living like you're fearful? No. Should you be thinking about the rapture all the time? No. We can't control those things. Right? We don't know the day, the hour, the moment that Jesus is going to return. We don't know whether he's going to come up in the clouds and we go up. And then at some point he gets ready and goes to the tribulation. And then we all come back together for the battle of Armageddon. Hopefully, right? But we don't, we don't know. We don't need to live like that. Because the more likely scenario is, uh, you know, we're not going to be on the earth when that happens. It's been over 2,000 years at this point. I don't know whether it's today, tomorrow, or another 1,000 years from now. Uh, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Because at the beginning of 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul wants us to focus on not being impure, being holy in our actions, and loving one another. That's what he talks about. That's why that is all in 1 Thessalonians 4. That's why he talks about those things together. Like, hey, if you're worried about what happens to your loved ones when they die, don't worry about it. They're with Jesus. If you're worried about you know, what happens when Jesus comes back, here's what happens. But more importantly, you need to love one another. You need to live holy. And if you do that, people will respect you. Non-believers will respect you. And they'll want to learn more about Christ. That's the message. Right? The message isn't, oh my gosh, is it a pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? The message is, while you're here, love one another, live holy, try to live in, avoid the impure things. Right, And if you do that, non-believers will see how you live and be curious why. And that is when you tell them about Jesus. Hope that makes sense. So that's a good that's a good one. First Thessalonians 4, a little bit of 5, as I mentioned, just to justify that pre-tribulation rapture kind of message. But once again, I don't know the truth. You don't know the truth. It's in the Bible. We read it. We believe what we believe. And uh, one day, we will all learn the faith. One day, uh, Jesus will come back. Even Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. If you go back in the Gospels, he talks about only the Father knows. Uh, so one day, the Father... Uh, we'll have us uh, ready to go join him. But until then, love one another. Try to live uh, kind of uh, free from impurities and sexual sin. Okay, that makes sense. That's a good word right there. All right, let's uh, let's answer a few questions uh, while with the time we have uh, left, and uh, whether they're about these Bible verses or anything. Uh, if you're live with me, make sure you have a question on the uh, on the bottom there, and uh, I will answer a few of them. Let's see what we got today. All right. Why is there such a big... I'll just read the top one. I'm not even going to scroll down. There's like 50 of them there. Uh, why is there such a big debate about pre, mid, post-tribulation? Well, Jess, I think people are afraid, right? They, they read, they read um, the book of Revelation, and they see that there's earthquakes and fires, and the Euphrates drying up, and and persecution, and the devil comes down, and you got the, you know, you have the, the Antichrist, and you have the one world government, a one world religion. It's all scary stuff. It's all stuff that we don't want to have happen, and we don't want to be a part of. So I think the reason why there's so many videos and discussions about it 
is because people want to justify the belief of there being a pre-tribulation rapture, which I understand that. We we don't want to be a part of those things. Uh, And like we just read, those verses kind of justify that thought, but that's why there's so much discussion about it. People are are afraid uh, of the scary stories that are in Revelation. If you read the book of Revelation, it's both comforting and scary at the same time. Uh, It is the revealing of Jesus. It is Jesus coming back, which is a glorious thing. But there's a seven-year period there that is not so pretty. And I think people want to uh, not want to be a part of that. They, uh, we all want to just be with Jesus and, and uh, uh, be in a peaceful uh, paradise for sure. So that's that's probably why there is so uh, there's so much uh, discussion on that stuff. Okay, good question. Uh, is Jesus God then His Father in heaven God too? Yes, is the answer. The simple answer to that. Maybe I'll do a podcast on or a whole episode on the and the Trinity to try to. Uh, to talk about the Trinity. It's probably going to be a good one, but that could be a whole 30 minutes in itself uh, with, uh, you know, God the Father, God Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. All three formulate God, but there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the three parts of God or the three images of God. Uh, so kind of three in one is uh, what we believe here. And uh, so the fact that we he calls Jesus God in there uh, tells you that uh, Jesus is not the Father, he's the Son, but it, it can be confusing. But just imagine... Uh, you know, God is in heaven, and he kind of uh, represents himself, or can represent himself, in three ways. Probably the easiest way. It's a lot more complex than that, but that's the easiest way. All right, let's uh, answer another question. Um, all right, how do you lead someone to the Lord who doesn't have him? Ella, that's a great question. We actually just talked about that a little bit in First Thessalonians 4, right? So if you, uh, at the, we talked about the whole first half of that before we got to the um, kind of the rapture slash talk. Uh, what it talked about was you need to live an impure life or a pure life, f- free from impurities, and try to be holy, uh, and love one another. And if you kind of go about your life and go about your business and you work hard and you do those things you need to do, uh, and and people see you working hard, people see you living a quiet life, but they also see that you love one each other and treat one another with respect, as well as live a holy, pure life as much as possible, right? Then they're going to see that and respect your life. Then, in my mind, that is the best way to bring people to Jesus, is to be a representative of Jesus. Let your life be a, a mirror image of what Jesus tells us and how he tells us how to live, okay? That's that's in my mind. Uh, that's why I named this channel Living Christian. I think... Instead of just living on a Sunday-to-Sunday basis, we need to be living a Christian lifestyle seven days a week. And if we listen to the right music, read the Bible, listen to podcasts, go see the right movies, love one another, uh, you know, love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love each other as we love ourselves, as he talks about in Matthew, if we do those things, people will look at us differently and wonder what is different about our lives. And the answer is Jesus. So that's how you have that conversation. you got to live like it first. If you're a hypocrite on everything, and you're out there getting drunk all the time, and you're cheating on your spouse, and you're doing all the things you're not supposed to do, right, as a good Christian, they're going to they're gonna look at us and go, eh, they're just, uh, you know, he's just like me. You need to be different than everybody else. Don't be of this world. Be in this world, but not be of this world. All right, uh, one more question, and then we'll, uh, then we'll pray, okay? 
what is the Battle of Armageddon. Read Revelation. I would encourage you that is going to be the final battle uh, between Jesus and all of us and uh, the devil and the non-believers where, uh, where Jesus cast the devil out and the, and, and, uh, the Antichrist out for a thousand years. All right, read about that. It's fun. It's scary, but fun. Uh, one more question, uh, one good question here, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go. Um, okay, what if joining with a wife comes into conflict with the commandment of honoring our parents? Great question. Great question. All right, let me have a sip of uh, coffee. Okay, so what happens if you're, you know, you're, you're talking about marriage, and, and it talks about marriage being that a man leaves his family, it's right at the beginning of Genesis, leaves his family to join a, uh, to, to create a new family with his wife. So first and foremost, that's the covenant that he is uh, the most important about your marriage. Yes, you need to honor your parents, obviously, that's in the Ten Commandments, but that is not a law that we have to abide by in order to earn our way to heaven, so to speak. That is old covenant talking. That's not new covenant talking. All right, that's Old Testament, not New Testament. Uh, you need to be honoring your parents, uh, but obviously you have left your parents, right, as we talked about in Genesis, and formed a new family with your wife. So you got to put your wife first above everything, even her parents or your parents. I hate to say it that way because I love my parents. I love my in-laws, but that is, uh, I know there's some conflict at times, but the most important union that you have is with your wife. hope that makes sense. So work on that. Uh, hopefully it's not conflicted with your in-laws or your parents. Talk through that. We're all a big, happy family, and family can be uh, complicated at times uh, for sure. But make sure you're in this together. Make sure you and your wife are both uh, on the same page. Hope that makes sense. Cool? All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's have a sip of coffee, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for bringing us together today. Thank you, thank you for giving us a little bit of clarity into a couple of things as we read First Thessalonians 4. A little bit of clarity about how you want us to live holy, pure lives, free from sexual sin, free from lust, and all those things, as well as, as, as wanting us to live in a life of love and treating each other with love and loving our neighbor and loving one another and we know that if we live that life and we abide by those two things, that people will look at us differently. Non-believers will look at us differently, and we're so thankful for that. We're also thankful that you brought us a, a little bit of clarity on what happens when you return, Lord. It's confusing, and people are scared, and today's world is a, a fallen mess, and um, we're all eager to meet you, Lord. We're, we're a little nervous. And we're scared about what happens when we die. We're scared about what happens and when you when you return and what happens in the future. But we trust you. And we know Paul was telling us kind of what happens and giving us encouragement and hope that our loved ones are with you. We trust in that word, Lord. We trust what you're telling us today. It can be a little confusing, but please open our minds up and give us the wisdom that we need to learn what you're talking to us about today. We trust you so much. We thank you so much for our lives and for protecting us from the evils that will come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, guys, have a great weekend. Uh, we'll get this going back on Monday again, uh, and uh, we'll talk about some more Bible verses, and we'll read some more coffee. It's going to be fun. So until next time, have a great weekend. Until next time, uh, keep Jesus on your heart and forever in mind. Love you guys.